What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside, a podcast about making the church, more importantly, making you better on the inside. My guest today is somebody from probably my favorite podcast on the planet, the Shutdown Fullcast, the internet's only college football podcast, but Ryan Nanny has joined us today, and Ryan is going to speak to digital community. He's also going to talk about doing good in a digital space, and he has an incredible bank hot take that he unleashes. He is one of the four Charlie and the Chocolate Factory bedmates that make up the Shutdown Fullcast. You can find him on Twitter at Celebrity Hot Tub and listen to him at the Shutdown Fullcast. So without delay, I want to get into this episode with a delightful conversation with a dude that I truly enjoy, Ryan Nanny. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside. And I am here with a, a minor celebrity in my eyes. Probably the person besides my wife and my children, one of the people that I feel like I've talked I've heard talk the most, uh, Mr. Mr. Ryan Nanny. How are you? Um, I'm good. I, I feel bad now because obviously this has been a very one-sided conversation yeah. that you've had oh. to endure. Oh, well, no, I talk back. You just haven't okay. heard it. Okay. Uh, you know, right. As I'll long just, as you're getting in there, that's the yeah, important thing. I'll just be yelling in the car of like, no, that's not what Cookie said in Montana state law, right? And the the just endless blooming onion of inside jokes that yeah. is the shutdown full cast. Yeah. Uh, the internet's only college football podcast. Ryan, would you describe yourself as a co-host? Host? Uh I so I somebody asked me this the other day and I didn't have the answer ready, but because they prepped me, now I can. Imagine that the four grandparents from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory who are all in bed together, imagine they had a college football podcast. That's what it is. That is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Oh, Grandpa Joe is sandbagging yes, that's right. until he that's gets right. that golden ticket. Spencer okay. is Grandpa Joe. I want to be clear. That could not be more obvious. Yeah. Just a man who eats candy bars <laughs> and can't work. Unless he gets a golden ticket, and <laughs> then he's like right. rolling out of bed. Like, wow, and... wow! Look at this. Suddenly, suddenly, I'm spry. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Ryan, I I love the full cast. It's Thank a you. definite. It's an always download, and I made the mistake of letting my 11 year old son listen to one of the disaster episodes. Uh huh. Yeah. And Which he listened one? to the the Father's Day disasters. Oh, okay. Okay. And he is. Uh, he, we have, we have the disasters playlist that every now and then I'll be like, when he gets to, it's like a rite of passage though. He gets to be a big boy and sit in the front seat. It's like, let's put on, he's like, yeah, let's listen to one of the disasters episodes. <laughs> um, and he thinks it's absolutely hilarious. Good. Um, good. I, almost. I hope- yeah. I hope we're only lightly scarring him for life. Well, it's kind of like to your point of the four grandparents in the bed, it's kind of like four uncles. Sure. You know, like I, I'm an only child. And so it's like for those moments, I'm adopted into the full cast family. Right. And he's listening to his four uncles tell great stories <laughs> that are like maybe inappropriate as uncles right. should be. And we know yeah. that Holly is an uncle. Like Correct. that's part of, that's canon. One of the most uncles. Actually. Yeah, that's that's part of full cast canon. So yeah. uh, w- the reason I wanted to have you on is not just like take advantage of getting time to chat with you, which is fun and make up for all the time that <laughs> that I, it's been the one sided conversation. <laughs> But one of the things that I appreciate about what y'all have done is not just talk about college football, but you've created like this community and it seems like a big like vision and 
I don't know that y'all would ever describe it as this. Uh, a big vision mission of it was like you have an audience that is your audience. And in a time when, because I, I actually started in the sports blogosphere back in like 05, 06. And it uh -huh. was like, it's like clicks and then it's a pivot to video and then it's this. And people are just trying to like buy stuff and get quick clicks and all those things. You guys have built like this enduring audience that have followed you from thing to thing. Like how much thought was put into that? So um, here's the caveat I will provide for the entirety of this discussion. I'm not going to speak for the other three. Their answers might be wildly different. My answer is zero. Mm. My answer is zero thought whatsoever. And I think that's largely a function of what the full cast and sort of the tentacles that have extended from it have largely, have largely are rooted in is entertaining ourselves like mm. when i started as a writer i had a really hard time and i was writing for spencer i had a really hard hard time figuring out like does this work is this good how is the audience going to respond to it because you don't get a lot of meaningful external validation you get a lot sure. of people who tell your stuff stinks you yeah. get some people who tell your stuff is good and you get mostly people who just move on like mm -hmm. don't weigh in either way and what worked for me as sort of a North star was to say, okay, I want to write things that, you know, if I'm writing for Spencer, I want to write things that Spencer thinks are funny or Holly mm -hmm. and Jason or other sort of colleagues and peers. Like if they think it's funny, I feel good about it at that point. Yeah. And I think we have sort of approached the full cast, or at least I have approached the full cast from like, let's have fun together and let's talk about, college football and frequently not college football <laughs> in the ways that feel organic and natural and fun to us. And what's interesting is that has, I think, given us the audience that you have described because it stands out as very different. Mm. Like most, the smart thing to do if you're doing a, if you're engaged in media content creation is to think about who is this for? Yeah. Who is my target audience? The dumb way to do it is to just make it and see what happens. But that is what we've done. <laughs> and I think the accidental benefit of that is that it is not, it, it doesn't, it never feels like, oh, this is something that somebody sat down and wrote down a plan and mm. sort of said, like, these are the metrics and these are like yes. how we're going to do, like, it's none of that. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's an element of what makes it work, I think. Yeah, there's a magic to it because in a lot of a lot of episodes, it feels like we're discovering things with you, right? And so, like, I think of even the ad reads of like, I don't, I don't think Coors Light was thinking, let's have this HP Lovecraftian, <laughs> like, like the ancients uh, and the mountains right. have come from the ancients to satiate right. Cthulhu or whatever. Like, right, right. I don't think that's what they're thinking with their ad reads, but right. we hear it and it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And our friends are getting paid because it feels like friends. It feels so, like a conversation you would have. So the ad reads are probably the one place where there is some intent put in. There is some like audience focused intent. I listen to other podcasts and I listen to plenty of podcasts that just do the ad reads. They read the copy they're given. And there yeah. are a handful that don't do that, that sort of make it feel like it's part of the content. They have fun with it. And I know from my own experience, like if you're just going to read the copy, I'm going to skip. Yeah. If it feels mm. fun and if it feels like there's something I'm going to get, like there's maybe an in-joke here, yeah. I'll listen to the ad. 
And so from my perspective, it's always been, well, if this is going to be in the episode, why would I give people something that I wouldn't listen to? Why wouldn't I try to make it enjoyable for them? Both because I want them, you know, for economic reasons, I want them to listen to the ad, but also like, if I'm going to sit here and do this recording, why wouldn't I have fun with it? Why wouldn't I make it fun for me? Yeah. And that makes total sense. And that adds to the um, gonzo Muppet of them all, where it feels like somebody slicked back their hair and is wearing like their dad's suit. And it's just like, (laughs) okay, everybody shut up. This actually doing, makes us money. Yeah, we're doing a business now. Yeah, this is business time, everybody. <laughs> and you do it, but that that part, that chaotic part, I think adds to the whole environment because, to yeah. your point, it's this like we're doing what we're doing something very authentic, and and the magic that comes from it is that the audience is along on the ride with you, right? And you're not it, it, listening to other podcasters, especially like influencer kind of podcasts. It feels like there's a 19 step journey that ends in a like course that you need to enroll sure. in. Right. And right. It, it's like laid out, and there's all the, you know, uh, because I do enough podcasting, I get the Facebook ads for like, this is how you can increase your Facebook business mm-hmm. by 10,000 mm-hmm. listeners. And it's like, <laughs> there are these like templates that people yeah. follow, and you can feel when you're on a template. And part of what's cool that I've enjoyed about the full cast is that you don't feel like you're on a template. It feels like a community. It feels like a conversation. Yeah, right. And there's like right. recurring, it's almost like a variety show, really. There's like recurring characters that pop back up, both that you guys do with like your voices and everything else. And also like uh, Ed Ogeron, like that's somebody mm-hmm. who pops yes, up right, periodically. Right. Steve Spurrier, yeah. another great it is reflective of the. It is reflective of the sport. That we are ostensibly covering. Yeah. But then there's also like Felder. Like there's there's people that call in where it's just like, hey, we're going to hear from blank person. Right. Uh, Right. And I love that part. And so that is going against, it seems like, everything you've probably been told by corporate overlords at some point. Because since I've been following it, starting with every day should be Saturday. I don't know if there's an iteration before that. But like... there's been different corporate interests mm-hmm. that seem sure. to be involved at some level. And it seems to be going against the the tide of what everybody is doing. And so how do you stay true to that? Hey, we're making stuff that we love. I, I think at this point we've been doing it, this, this show specifically for so long that to do it any other way, just wouldn't make sense. We just stopped doing the show. Like yeah. we are capable, you know, the four of us at varying times have different day jobs where we do sort of follow more typical corporate media processes where things are, there are meetings and you do content planning and you read drafts and you edit them and what, like we're all familiar with that process. And I think for us, the full cast has always been, a bit of a safe haven where it's like, Mm. this is the one thing we're going to do. That's not like that. That has some pluses and minuses. Like there are times where it feel on our end, it can feel like too disorganized, but like ultimately I think at this point where we, we really believe that the authenticity and the enthusiasm that that generates for us and hopefully for the audience as well 
is what makes it work. And if we mm -hmm. tried to corporatize it or say, or make it more like fit into a ESPN show format, for mm -hmm. example, it wouldn't be special anymore. At the same time, we, I think, accept that that puts some restrictors on it. Like, we've been told that our show is insular. And it, that, is not a, that is not an incorrect criticism. If you decide, I'm going to go jump in and see what this show is about, it is very challenging. Like, we do not do a especially great job of hand-holding or sort of, like, getting people used to it. Um, we try to have, like, suggested episodes where people can sort of get a start or whatever. But at the same time, the insularity is not intentional, but it is a, pro a product of what we are trying to do. And I think is part of what makes it feel personal. Like mm. it, it, if it's going to feel like, Oh, okay. I, I know what these four are about, at least in the world of this show. It's the same thing as like, getting to know a neighbor or yeah. a coworker like that takes some time right. and that takes some effort and hopefully it's valuable for people who want to but we also understand that like some people are just like no this is just like too much i want something that i know what i'm getting right away i don't want a college football show where i have to wait 47 <laughs> minutes for them to talk about college football that's totally cool <laughs> and the good news from our perspective is like we say we're the only college football podcast. You have a lot of other options out there and lots of them are great. We listen to them. We there's, it's just sort of like, why would we imitate those yeah. things at this point? Right. And that is really cool because in some ways it's the least serialized podcast. Like a lot of podcasts are very serialized where you could jump in at two, 210 and you could just get the whole deal yep. and you can go back. Yeah. But to, it, it does feel way more like hanging out with friends where you don't, when you hang out with friends, you don't be like, hi, I'm sitting here with Ryan and we're going to be chatting about X, Y, or Z today. You just send a meme out of nowhere and be like, hey, have you seen this Dom Toretto edit of whatever? And it's like, <laughs> that's what friendship is right. like, where you're just like going off and then you right. get into this in-depth discussion, Uh, you know, the, can you spend 20 or $40 at Taco Bell for yourself? Like, right. I forget, what was right. the amount? I can't even remember. It was like $27. Yeah. Or, it was a very specific <laughs> amount because the, the journalist who wrote it was like, look at my bill. Yeah. And it was like $28 yeah. or something. And it's yeah. like, well, the, the text threads that I have with my buddies is somebody leaves their phone for a half hour and they come back to 112 messages. Yes, of, right. And you're like, I don't even, I, I, I can't go back. <laughs> There's no, I can't even scroll. I just have to sort of like... <laughs> Right, right. I just have to go with it. I, I'm just, point. I'm riding yeah. it. What are we talking about? And it feels way more right, like that, right. but it doesn't feel unnatural. And I think that's the thing that, that appeals to people in this kind of insular thing. And so we do, I don't know how much our, our podcast audience is crossed. My guess is a lot of people like my mom uh, doesn't listen to the shutdown full cast. I know my mom's going to listen right. to this episode. So uh, my mom doesn't listen to the shutdown yeah. full cast. So it's fine. Well, my mom probably will at this point. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, if your mom listened, would you, would you behave differently? Okay, no. cool. No, like the other part of this is like, we really, when we get on, we really turn that part of our brains off. Mm. Like, again, we do a lot of work where we're thinking about like, this is going to go out into public. Yeah. And, and one of the scariest parts about doing this show is that at the end of it, we're like, Oh, right. This is going to go. Out. <laughs> I hope, I hope I didn't say something extremely cancelable. Yeah. 
and we and so far we haven't yeah. i hope i'm not jinxing it but like we really do just like go into like an isolation tank of sorts and just see what comes out yeah well but it's also not hot takey where because i think you're more no. likely to get cancelable content on like the espn format because that's what they're going for sure they're going for stuff right. that, but debating the wives of henry the eighth as like heisman trophy finalists like right. The, right i don't think you guys have done that but maybe write that one down we also we also trust yeah. each other i think to check one mm. another like and and this has happened i think in i don't think it's in the, the example i can think of that is not dangerous or provocative in any ways we did an episode uh, gosh just like four years ago where i think spencer and i were complaining about christmas and holly just took us to task yeah. for it she was like you guys are cranks yeah. <laughs> you are grown men you can christmas can be what you want it to be and if christmas is if you're not enjoying christmas you're doing it wrong and you need to like and it was actually very helpful yeah. like it was a very useful conversation for me um the other thing i want to say real quick about the insularity is I think we try very hard to not make it insular in a, Oh, this is for only, this is only for people who like are really expert yeah. in college football, really know a lot about what's going on. It, it is not meant to be like, Hey, if you are a casual or if you are new to this, like this is not for you. We don't want it to be off putting. Sometimes we it's sort of like, who the hell are they talking about? But hopefully hopefully it doesn't feel like oh this is like super expert level only yeah. conversation or well, whatever right but i i first of all i love that and the whole like it also led to the spencer actually watches the games piece which which right. was one of the best moments of him basking in like analyst glory um because mm -hmm. people are like oh they don't even watch the games right like there's enough knowledge there but it's also not for cool kids like it feels way more like your buddies sure. that hang out on the parking lot than the like homecoming court. Like it's where it's just like, let's yeah. do something. Yeah. I would say, crazy. I would say like, it's like somewhere in between theater kids and uh, the debate team. And yeah, it's like, it's definitely not the coolest kids in high school. Yeah, though. It's a, uh, well, and hearing some of the high school disaster, the school disasters episode, <laughs> one of my son's favorite, we still talk about surge <laughs> and free surge as, as often yeah. as we possibly can, uh, because that's <laughs> hilarious. Well, so my audience might be a little bit different. If they're going to check out your podcast, which some people might, where should they start? And what would be the primer mm -hmm. of, hey, you're going from no context, like I'm not even an like, online person, to right. I'm listening to the Internet's only college football podcast. So I do think the Disaster Playlist is the best place because, A, it requires almost no knowledge of college football, and B, it is the most organized. It is the most, this is what you get yeah. what it says on the tin <laughs> episode. Like, every other episode is sort of like... And we, like, admittedly, we have some fun with this. But if it says, like, it's the SEC championship preview, there might be five minutes of football talking mm. that. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But the disaster episodes, I think, are, um, they are what they say they are. They give you a good sense of, like, what how we like to talk. They give us a lot of room. Like, I think Nightham maybe came from a disaster. Yeah, I think a Thanksgiving think so. disaster episode. Yeah. Um, so, so like we go, we veer off topic, we go on tangents. And the other thing I like about that is it's a good reflection of 
what I think our community is about because the disaster episodes are all sourced from, we, we, we tell people like, Hey, um, tell us your dad disasters mm. and people email us or send voicemails or t- tweet at us or whatever. And so it is like a fun window, at least for me into like, here are the people who listen to this show. <laughs> yeah. It's the, these are our viewers. Like these are our listeners. Right. right. It's the, <laughs> right. It's like the anti version of Jim Rome smack off. Like when he would have right. people call in and do their thing. This is like the let's tell these stories, but there's a vulnerability to it because some of the res- sure it seems like some of the response to these are just like flow out of the full cast and onto Twitter and other kinds of spaces of like, man, isn't that story yes. interesting? Like, and and there's a cool element to that. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. So yeah. check out the disasters episodes. I'll make sure that I link them. And the dad disasters are amazing. So I would. Those would be a really. <laughs> that would be a really good place to start. Uh, for all my people. Cool. Cool. Uh, but Excellent. y'all don't just make people laugh. You've also have this element of generosity and giving that kind of flows from this chaotic, silly community. Like, talk a little bit about like how how did that develop. And what keeps that going? So I, I guess the genesis of it is the charity bowl, which primarily Spencer and Holly run. And that is a, um, uh, an annual drive that we do for a uh, refugee resettlement for a uh, group in Atlanta. And um, the origin story there is like, that's where Spencer used to work mm. before he was in sports media at all like he had a different potential career path that he like got his master's at georgia tech i think i'm getting this right um and obviously that's not what he does anymore but he still wanted to support his former colleagues and their clients and things like that and i think one of the smart things that holly and spencer have done with that is they've gamified Mm -hmm. it so like the big thing they try to do with that is sort of say like okay donate a score that is meaningful to you. So frequently it'll be like, this is what we, this is the score of the last game we beat Mm. your team by. Um, And they also keep a school specific scoreboard. That's the most notable thing because Michigan always wins. Michigan has, I don't think there's a single year that I can remember where Michigan has not won it frequently by like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, So you get, you get to let people sort of like scratch their competitive itch, but in a fun and a charitable and helpful way. Um, there's also like people have made, there's make Spencer eat cheese yeah, university right. is, is one that gets donated to a frequent amount since he hates cheese. Um, so I think that's sort of the nucleus of it. And then I think building out from that, you know, we, Holly and Holly is, you know, I think probably the most politically active of us in a, in a like capital a way. Uh, and that goes back to, she's worked, she worked at MTV news doing like actual politics and news coverage. Um, she had a podcast about, um, the, what was this? The special election, the first special election. There's so many special elections in Georgia that I can't even keep track of it anymore. So Um, so I think she is frequently a good guide for us to sort of be like, Hey, there's this thing that we should, you know, maybe raise money for, but also the listeners are really good about saying like, Hey, you know, um, tornado, there's 
been tornadoes in western mm-hmm. Kentucky, and like community could use some help there. And and from that point, it's pretty easy. We just sort of like send up the signal flare, and we are aware that we have a community that is seems to be fortunate enough to have some money to spend. Um, we are also aware that we put out the podcast for free. Like maybe one day that will change, but I don't anticipate that changing anytime yeah. soon. And so what we sort of, maybe one of the implicit elements of that is sort of like, Hey, when you can try to right. help, not a lot of pressure, not a lot of like, you know, uh, full, full court movement yeah. on it or anything like that. But mostly I think it's about sort of saying, can you generate the awareness when there's a thing that could use some support and can you, it's really, I find it's really less about like what we do and more about like what the community, what our listeners do after Mm. that, taking it to their friends, bringing it to our attention in the first place. Like we're just sort of a stop on a railroad that hopefully moves usually money, sometimes other things to the people Mm. who need it. That's great. And I'll shout out Big Blue. My in-laws are Michigan people. All of them. They're Michigan people. Not my wife and I, um, but that's that's a separate story. Shout out to Michigan, who has a like <laughs> slight, fa- some kind of favoritism in my heart for winning the charity piece. But I, I love, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the, how the generosity, the generous spirit of the community, like, that is something right now that in churches, which are a lot a, a decent part of my audience are like churchy kind of people and church leaders. I think generosity is something that churches and people of faith have struggled with recently as institutional giving is kind of generally down. Mm-hmm. And so the, the organic generosity of friends helping friends, it feels like um, is a really right. cool thing that I, that I think is probably and you get you can wax philosophical on it if you want, but it's probably closer to how giving will look in the future uh, versus sure. like, hey, I write a check every month to this thing. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the the uh, the philosophical overlap between b- between how we cover college football as a sport and the sort of charitable element of this is that we are sort of built on the somewhat cynical view. But also the somewhat hopeful view that like institutions will not be the thing that save us, push us forward, get have our yeah. back. In the college football world, you know that often applies to sexual assault um, at colleges or athletic departments. Yeah. It can apply to you know decisions by the NCAA to hammer you know in in years past kids who are making no money playing a super dangerous sport for taking, you know, $400 worth of travel to go see their sick mom or something like that. And I think we, excuse me, I think we transfer that to the charitable realm by sort of saying, you know, it it is the necessary implication of that is when something, when somebody has a need, we sort of have to step up as a group and do what we can um, to to address it uh, for Holly, for Holly and our friend Brian Floyd, and to a lesser extent me. Free fridges have been a big part of that equation mm-hmm. too, and sort of just I like that there's something very simple about distilling these things to 
a very basic um, element right. where it's like people need food to eat. If we go put it here, then they can. And 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 not getting caught up in sort of like, well, you know, what if this or what yeah. if that? And it's just sort of like there there is an element of trust and kindness and gentleness that we try to embrace with these things that has to be the counterbalance to the cynicism of how we feel about institutions and what they will or won't do. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes a lot of sense. One, I mean, talking about the fridges, like hunger is so easily done. Oh, so easy to understand. It's something that we've all felt not in the like actual hunger degree, but we get hungry every day. So we could, we have like a contextualization for it, but it's also like, you can ask anybody and only the worst, like worst, most despicable people in the world are like, you know what? People should starve. Like, there's really not a lot of people that you <laughs> right. could find that are just right. like, we shouldn't give people food. Like, that just is such a right. basic thing. Uh, but part of what you talked about is this holding this tension between a, a I, I don't know that it's cynical at this point. It might be more realistic uh, view that okay. is institutions might not, are, aren't going to take care of this. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming to resolve this. And you see it a lot of times in a lot of the apocalyptic fiction that we're getting. Like uh, the, sure, the themes right. seem to be around, like the institutions have failed. What are you going to do? No, nobody's coming. Yeah. Like the, you know, if it's the yep. last of us, the government's not coming to like help you. They're not coming to help. And you know, I'm not going to go libertarian Ron Swanson. Like, but, <laughs> but there's this sense of an erosion of trust in institutions. And that is certainly something that the mm-hmm. church is dealing with by and large in a uh, rightfully so. So like, it's not, it's not unrightful. Uh, but then you balance it with this, like, almost, like, childish, like, in in the best way possible, like, hope and trust and, like, hey, we just want to do good things for people. And we believe people are going to do the right thing. And you ha- you can't, because you can't be cynical. Like, I, you can't be, uh, well, I guess cynical is not the right word, but you can't be so cynical that you don't want to help people. And You can't stop at cynicism. You can't just stop there and sort of say, like, well... These things aren't, I've accepted that like things suck Mm. and they're not going to get better. It's like, okay, that's not actually changing. If you believe that you're sort of willingly abandoning your post. Ooh, that's a great point. I like that. That's clippable right there. That's But that's a good one because I think no matter what you believe, there is a pull towards cynicism, especially when we're on these like rage machines all day and these very self-driven things all day that like I, and you work in media enough to know like what people click, what people want. Like a lot of it is outrage and a lot of it is, is driving towards that. And so we're in these environments that seem to spawn a certain kind of cynicism. And so I think our politicians are a great example of it. I could use church leaders too. Uh, We could use coaches like NCAH, a lot of public Mm -hmm. figures that are just saying things in public that they clearly are not doing. And there's this cynical grift that I just think we're all tired of uh, across so many like political spectrum, so many, whatever. There's just a cynical grift of like, he doesn't even believe that. Like I just, he he doesn't even believe that, but he's just, he's just doing it or whatever that could be. And so to not stop at cynicism, I think some of the grifters stop at cynicism and be like, well, you know what? This isn't working. I'm going to get mine. Or I've figured out how to secure my future and how to exploit a situation. Ryan, sometimes uh, 
we'll, I'll take a moment on this. Sometimes I'm like, if I was just like the super conservative black guy, I feel like I could make a lot more money. Like, 100%. I feel like I could get 100%. into the conservative grift and be like, was yeah. slavery really bad? Like, let's like let's mm-hmm. really think about it and come from like a very like, I don't know, whatever. It makes me like nauseous just to think about it. But uh, right, but right. that fighting that cynicism, I think, is going to be a huge battle, at least for older folks. I think the young. My wife's a high school teacher, by the way. A high school theater teacher, nonetheless, and so some of that with, with there you go. so she's working with enthusiasm all yeah. day, <laughs> and so the younger generation is not cynical, like they right. they just they aren't carrying cynicism the way that we might, and so they do things that are just like, well, you'll never get that done, and then they do it, and you're like, wait, what? And they do it because it's a bunch of like, uh, I was gonna say B two K fans. But that, that is that, <laughs> using B2K with BTS is really funny. Like Omarion. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I was going to say B2K is flat. Yeah. Right oh, now. wow. Shout out to, to B2K making a comeback in 2023. Um, oh, shoot. But like, it's the, it's the fans of like K pop bands that are taking political right. action or they're, they're uniting around fandoms and, I know that there's still toxicity in fandoms and some of these insular kind sure. of places, but the fight against cynicism is, I think, one of our main fights over the next 10, 15 years. Well, you and I are about, um, yeah. you know, you and I are about the same age. I'm about to turn 40 in a couple Ooh. months. So, like, I, we're, we're right there. And I think the tricky part is that in the times that we have come of age, so much of the messaging we have gotten from our parents, our teachers, our political leaders, our churches, our first bosses, whatever, has been like, if you work hard enough within these systems, if you just get out and vote, if you just, you know, do these things, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you participate in the system in a certain way, you can leverage that into change. Yeah. And I think what is uh, what is maybe makes this easier for people who are younger is they have never believed That's that true. they have never, they don't have that programming to sort of work yeah. through and it is harder for somebody like, like I went to law school. I was a lawyer for six yeah. years. Like I, I understand. And I still believe this to some extent. I still believe that like there are systems we need in place to, uh, deal with things like police misconduct yeah. or whatever. Like, but but I think that is a really interesting. That's going to be a really interesting generational divide where direct action, mm. whether it's money or um, outreach or protests or whatever it is, is is something that feels more accessible and acceptable to younger people than it really did in like. The late nineties, early two thousands. Oh yeah, like direct action wasn't even a thing. Like I just, I, right. I and so elder millennial. That's how I would classify myself. Like right on the. Yep. Yep. I feel Same. like I'm the last generation that even had an inkling of what our parents promised. Like the last generation right. of like, I'm gonna go to college, and when I get out, I'm gonna have a job, and I'm gonna move up yep. in that job, and I'm gonna like, yep. and I graduated in '03 from college, and so like I like. 
it, it was post dot com bubble, and so it was still like a pretty good, like a pretty decent market. And I, it felt yep. like the last helicopter out of Vietnam of like all the generations <laughs> behind us are just like, nah, yeah. man, we're screwed. And but right, to your right. point, they've they've never believed in the thing that we were taught as elder millennials of like, trust the system and the system will take care of you. And we saw people retire with pensions. We saw people, Hey, with 65, I'm dipping into social security and the system will take care of us. And then we're like the, the Rodney King generation where a lot of that started to be like, wait, that's what police do. Like, I don't know that people younger understand the magnitude of what it was like waking up in the morning before you go to school and, and watching police beat somebody with batons where you're just sure. like, no, police yep. were the nice guys. And Mr. Rogers says, find somebody in a uniform. And like, it was, right, it's, right. it was like seeing your parents naked. Like it was just jarring of, <laughs> yeah, of just sure. like, no, the authority figures can't do that. And so I, I think right. I, you make a fantastic point of the, gen, of the people behind us never believed it, that there was never any evidence right. that the system was going to take care of them. Yeah. Man, yeah. So what are we going to do with direct action? That's it. Like when I think of direct action, I think of like, what was a Woodstock 99 and like how different our <laughs> Woodstock was versus the sixties. Right. And then how different it is from what people do now and the corporatization of all that. What do you think people, cause the, the demo, the demographic information of folks that listen to this are generally between like 35 and 44. And so, um, what, um, what do you think those folks can do to pour into that, the enthusiasm of the next generation without being cynical? Um, I think it's really about like finding small opportunities. Mm. Like I think part of the challenge of being of our generation is that to the extent we were encouraged to be active or politically active or social socially active or whatever it was in all these big ways it was like earth Mm. day it was like you know um these these big movements where it was sort of like how can we make big systemic change and i don't think those things aren't important but i do think like the easiest entry path is not to sort of figure out like okay how can i how can i sort of participate in that, that movement but to figure out like what are the small things you can do around yeah. you is there a free fridge near you that you can participate in is there a you know in Nashville we have um a program here that provides um period uh period products for homeless mm. women who yeah. need them and just sort of like basic basic per, basic elements like that where you sort of say like okay where where can I sort of chip away in small but meaningful ways at these things that am I erasing homelessness as a concept? No. Am I erasing childhood hunger as a concept? No. But I am I am not doing mm-hmm. nothing. I am sort of like doing a little bit of a part. And then I think it can kind of grow normally from there where it's like now you get comfortable with that. And now you tell a neighbor like, Hey, this is a thing I've been doing. If you ever feel like if you ever are have a day where you're just like, I'm going to make a lot of chili, but I'm not going to eat all of it. If you want to give me a quart, I'll go drop it at the free fridge Mm. for you. That's no problem. Um, I make a point to try to bring my six year old to the free fridge drop off when I can, because I also want to sort of normalize these things. Like, 
I want her to, I want her to sort of see that we do this to see the people that come and, you know, sort of take what's left there and try to talk to her about this in ways that emphasize equality and emphasize common humanity. Mm. Like I think one of the biggest challenges is to sort of not turn this into an othering process where you're sort of like, well, we are feeding the hungry and the hungry are a different set of people. What I love about the free fridge concept is like, if, if I want to, that's available for me Mm. too. It's very much designated as this is not charity. This is community support. And so we sort of explained to our daughter, like, this is what we're doing this because there are people who sometimes they might have trouble Mm. getting food on the table, but anyone can take it. We might need this one day. And so we're sort of doing our part to contribute to the whole thing. But I think like the smallness of it is where sort of the opportunity is because in, it is easy, as you said, and I promise I'll stop. No, no, this is beautiful. Well, it's easy to get lost in the bigness of the Mm. problems. That's what the institutions focus on. That's what, if you're getting emails from politicians, that's what they want to focus on. And like, to some extent, that's what they have to do. Like Congress is not going to be like, oh, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, whether or not Nashville Metro schools should be providing free Mm. lunch. Yeah. Like that's not on the agenda, but it's something I can go to a PTA meeting about. It's something I can go talk to the principal right. about or the right. school board. So that's that's sort of where I think like the way in. Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, so much of what you said was so good. But in hearing what you say, it, and it's something that I've seen in my life, it's reframing a problem as a person. And it's going from we're fighting homelessness to we're feeding Dave or we're providing purity yep. products for Mary, people that you actually meet yep. so that it's not, there is no them, there's only us. And that, right. and it, kids actually get it so much easier than we get it. Cause when you talk, especially when you talk 100%. about food insecurity, like I was thinking, you know, we, so shout out to local food banks and food insecurity project. Cause we help support a, a big initiative here in San Antonio, which is like one of the largest food banks in the country serving hundreds of thousands of people throughout South Texas, the most food insecure region, I think. Um, and, and it's crazy to think of how much and the pandemic really like emphasized how much exacerbated yeah, these things, how much yeah. a lot of people in the suburbs where we live are just one paycheck away from needing the food bank. Sure. And there's right. not a shame in that. But when you tell kids like, Hey, there are people that are hungry tonight. They're like, well, I'm not going to finish my dinner and you can have this. And it, like, right. And right. so much of the, the, the free fridge stuff is just, we'll have this. Like it, it's not, right. th- there's not, right. We have a pantry. Why don't we yeah, just, just, yeah. D- right. Point A to point B. There's not all this complex, like litigation and politicking. It's just, there's not me. There's not means yeah, testing going just, on when you talk to an eight year old. about how to like, well, And I mean, they could literally be like, no, literally have the dinner that I have in my hands. It's like a half eaten, whatever. Right. They're just like, right. here, take it. Right. And I think that right. that spirit is part of what you y'all have not only tapped into, but a lot of what you're talking about. It gets me fired up and excited about the future and getting your kids involved and helping feed people. Um, so find a food pantry, go to your local food bank. They do really good. Feeding America does really good work. And they can mm-hmm. turn uh, our yep. local food bank, Ryan. Now I get to brag on them. My friend Rob works there and he listens. Shout out to Rob. Yeah. Um, they can turn $1 into seven meals 
it's like, crazy. It, I know. It's it's yeah, acne, It really is. Where it's just like take these yeah. elements that don't make any sense and you can turn it into meals because of the partnerships and everything that they do. So shout out to food banks. Shout out uh, Ryan, you have been awesome. There's one thing that I do with every guest, and I didn't prep you for it. I usually prep the guest. There's That's one... fine. I, I'm like I said, yeah, we don't prep fair the enough. Podcast, so. uh, there's one question <laughs> I ask everyone. I ask them to enter the non-judgment zone of joy. And in the non-judgment okay. zone of joy, I ask, what is bringing you joy right now? The thing that I think about um, it, but there's a theme song. Yeah. Yeah. And the theme song, okay. I keep waiting for like editors to like give me a theme song for it, but I have to produce the theme song myself and I just sing it right here uh-huh. and in different styles. So with Jason's, okay. Okay. I did like a like uh Christian pop punk late nineties, early two thousands kind of vibe. By the way, I'm not a good singer. So that that's part of the that's whole fine. deal. I'm not going to hold that. This is the, you said it's yeah. non-judgment. Thank you. So I can't Thank judge you, you for that. <laughs> what, what genre of music have you been like really digging on lately? Um, Lately it's been like, I guess like the soul singers of like the sixties and seventies. Like the, I'm really into the stylistics. Ooh, oh, I love. Lately. <laughs> <for some laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I love, okay. I love that music. That's like real Jackie Brown soundtrack. You're, you're Robert yes. Forrester oh, and Jackie Brown. Yes, that's the best way to explain yeah. okay, it. Okay, yes. cool. Well, yes. I'm going to yeah, do yeah. a non-judgment Zone of Joy theme song, and then you will answer the question, what is okay. bringing you joy right now? Where it's okay. like, All right. I saw the news today. The day was feeling gray. But you're my boy, so now we go to the non-judgment zone of joy. Non-judgment, <laughs> non-judgment, non-judgment zone of joy. Okay. I was trying to harmonize with myself, and I didn't. Sure, it's I, hard. I didn't it's have hard. the tools necessary, but we started pretty That's good, okay. I think. You wouldn't know if you didn't no, try. You got to try. You got to yeah. try. You, gotta you don't try. become the science demands stylistics testing. overnight. You know, betcha <laughs> by golly true. wow didn't just come out like they had to work on it. No, that's not first take. No, no that's definitely not All the right. first take. Um, so my answer is a little meta and a little self-serving, but so I'm on this podcast because I've decided to just do a bunch of podcasts for reasons that I don't really understand. I just pick silly things to do, and I have found that I have really enjoyed just chatting with yeah. people. Like there is not, there is not like, I don't have a project I'm promoting. I don't have like a economic goal in doing this, but um, I've gotten to talk to a lot of different people on a lot of different topics and it's just fun. Like, I think it's easy to forget, especially over the past couple of years that like, there's just a lot of fun in having a good conversation Mm, with somebody. It's just like very, it's very refreshing and energizing yeah. where even when I, like if I schedule, sometimes I'll do like, okay, I'm going to do one of these after my kids go to bed and it's eight 30 and I'm like, ah, oh, the sink yeah. is full and I'm just tired and I don't really want to do this show. And then I go do it. And I'm like, that was great. We had a good time. We, it went in unexpected directions. I learned something. Hopefully they learned something too. And it was just like, what a nice little moment this was like the, the connective power of doing this process and talking yeah. with you 
is just great. It's just wonderful. I love it so much. It gets me excited. Like when I talk to, sometimes I record on Fridays and Fridays are usually a day off for me. And my wife is always like, are you working on a Friday? And I'm like, this isn't work. This is the best. This, this is, is the best thing I get to do. I just get to talk to people and be right. curious and ask them questions. And to your point, it is yeah. so much fun. And when you posted that thing of like, hey, I'll be on people's podcasts. I'm like, this is an op- This is an offer that I cannot refuse. This is something <laughs> I'm that I absolutely have to jump on because talking to interesting people is one of the best things in the world. And speaking of Rob, the aforementioned food bank Rob. Um, we, I invented the, I invented the conversation one time when we were talking because I was like, Hey, what if we did a podcast, but without mics? Like, what if we just got together and just talked and it was just like, and he's like, yeah, you invented the conversation. Like, this is a very ancient concept. Like this has been going on for pretty much forever. And, but what you're talking about is it's almost like ham radio in the ability to just like connect with these people that I would never, I would never know you if it wasn't for the full cast. There'd be no reason for our paths to cross. And so it's really cool that they do. And there's something like serendipitous and fun and a balm to the soul uh, that comes with these conversations. It's, it's lovely. Um, I want to add one thing, if I may. So when you reached out, you you told me like you want to talk about building positive yeah. community vis-a-vis the forecast, and I feel like we've touched on that. And I realized that like I chafed at that in one specific way. I want people to think about this as not a it's not like building a piece of IKEA furniture. There's not a stopping mm. point. One thing that's very important to me, and I know this is important to the other three as well, is that. This is like nurturing a plant. Mm. It has to, it, it is a constant effort, whether that is about thinking about, are we being inclusive in what we say and how we treat different people who may not fit the general uh, prototype of what a college football fan yeah. looks like? Um, are, we, are we being responsive to the community in the ways we've talked about? Like, I am happy with what we have done but I never think of it as we have built something past mm. tense. Like, and because if we get too cocky, decide to rest on our laurels, don't care about the things that we've cared about before, it yeah. will die. And, and so to me, it's important that I think of this as an active and living process and not what a thing we have oh, done. Man, I love that because you're building gardens, not a factory. Right. A factory yes, just yes, stamps it out yes. and you get the product and it's done. But when you build a garden, it's a complex system and you have to you have to tend to it because the rainfall affects the weeding, affects the soil, affects right. all the things. Right. And those complex It changes every year. It changes and every those year. Complex systems are so hard. And I think we want some certainty and a factory gives you certainty. You know what the machine's going to produce, but I love gardens. Let's tend yeah. our gardens, folks. Let's let's plant yeah. and tend yeah. our gardens. That's beautiful, Ryan. I like. I Thank honestly you. like. You. Maybe I underestimated you a little bit, but I wasn't <laughs> sure that you would be able to like in cap it with something so beautiful. So well done, sir. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Well, Thank Ryan, you. where should people check you out? Uh, you can find me 
at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not Eddie Murphy. I'm sorry if people think that I am or was. It's not an intentional subterfuge on my part. Um, Shutdown Fallcast is where we do our podcasting, as we've said repeatedly. And that for now, that's yeah. about it. Other than that, like if you find my Twitter, it's got my email and address up there. I'll come on your show. Like I have somebody who's reached out who's like, I have a banking podcast. I don't know what we'll talk about, but I'm like, sure. That's, I've used money. That, I've gone to it. That's a bank. amazing. And you've done savings right? with acorns. Oh, I'm sorry. There <laughs> sorry. you go. There you go. I, there you go. I, I like, I have, I have big thoughts on like our banks giving out lollipops to kids again. If not, why Have not? you been in a bank lately? Uh, like, Oh my God. Banks no. used to be a place that was like, you go and you get like a toaster for setting a new account. They don't want you in yeah, the bank sure. anymore. Like banks do no, not no, no, want no, no, you no. there. Oh man. No. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. It's, it's very, this is another thing where we'll, we'll really show yeah. our age where it's like, you, I don't think people realize it. And I promise I'll shut up. You used to have to go to the bank all the Every time. Every week, at least. You, you Every week you had to go to the bank, yes. And now it's like you could go a calendar year and not go to the it's, bank. It's bonkers. It's one of the most banana things yeah. that has ever that has happened that we're just okay with. There's not anybody that's standing yep. up and going, "Hey, like, what is the what? Where are the banks?" Although I will say this, they right. just built a Capital yeah. One cafe in my local mall, and so I think Capital <laughs> you gotta go I think check Capital it out. One might be trying to get back in this, but I don't trust them. Like I, when I yeah. think of banking, I feel like it used to be much more local and much more like. Sure. I mean, you're, you're, what you're describing is not just like a feeling like banks have yeah. consolidated. And now it's like, there's yeah. four. That's like, it. Are you at Chase or are you at Wells Fargo yeah. or, you know, whatever? Or yep. do you have a weird online, yep. not yep. weird online savings account, but it's just, it's just different. Like I want to walk in and like, yes. Mr. I feel like I'm George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. It's in it's in Jose's house. It's in Jimmy's house. Like that's a good George that, Bailey. I, I do tell terrible you. impressions, but in the moment, I just I'm like, thank you, Lord, you gifted. Uh, but that's what I don't know, man. We could talk about ba- like okay, I didn't know that we I could know, talk about I know, banks, I know. but I have a bank take. And the way it makes me feel is very, very strange. Ryan, <laughs> thank you so much. This was awesome. And I will link to all this stuff in the uh, in the show notes and all of that. Thank you for joining me, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. That was so delightful hanging out with Ryan, including even a terrible Jimmy Stewart impression. Um I just appreciate Ryan coming on. Uh, it's a huge get for me. It's somebody He's somebody I respect tremendously. And somebody not only that I enjoy listening to, but somebody that I enjoy talking to more so than even listening to. Like, I had an amazing time with them on the podcast. And I'm so thankful for the thoughts that he had to share about giving, right? Doing, doing good and donating and making a difference in the community. And also building digital community. That's a huge and important thing that I think we should be talking more about. I just, I appreciate his time. 
So thankful for hanging out with them. Hey, you can always find him on Twitter at Celebrity Hot Tub. Listen to him on the Shutdown Full Cast. Sometimes he makes appearances on other podcasts, like a banking podcast. Uh, but also, uh, anything, any of his takes, whether it's about movies or whether it's about uh, college football or whether it's about the old gods that may reside at the center of the core of the earth uh, that are unlocked with Coors Light. Ryan is an amazing guy to listen to, and I'm so thankful you dropped by. Hey, thank you for listening. And if you've listened this far, we'd love for you to subscribe, like it, rate it, do all of those things. You can also join our little community over on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash better on the inside. Thank you, everyone. Again, this was just an absolute blast. Love you guys.